Welcome to the Native Citizens Podcast, a ministry of Storehouse Community Church in McAllen, Texas. Every Monday, we gather to address the questions and issues aimed at everyday life and ministry in the context of the Rio Grande Valley. All right, guys. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Native Citizens Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. I am joined by Elsie, our Storehouse Kids Director, and Jay, who uh, leads our men's gatherings. Good morning. Um, how are you guys doing? Hello. Yeah, I'm Do back well. on my coffee kick, yo. Yes. I shouldn't say coffee kick as if I got off of it. What I really mean is I just went and grabbed coffee. I'm on my fourth cup. <laughs> Without cream. Often to, man, I'm, I can't. I can't. So- so it no? wasn't well. I have it with cream. Like yeah, I mean, that's right. Every I'm time? gonna say it right now Yay. for the internet's because for a couple of things. Number one, um, prefacing with this, I used to drink it black all of the time. It wasn't until I got married that uh, I started having cream in my in my coffee. And primarily, I would drink coffee because one, my dad would drink it all of the time, and like homeboy oh, doesn't right. even get sleepy. Like he just drinks it like water. Mm-hmm. And then number two. Um, when I started, um, uh, uh, competitive, uh, weight training and all that, like coffee was something that was actually really good to do with like your morning cardio type stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it elevated stuff. Anyway, we can get into that later. Um, I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. Um, the stone. And, <laughs> and so My um, every in time. The rest of the yeah. World. Yeah. So, so stuff like that. And then I got married and then Rebecca, uh, gave me some creamer and I was like no I don't think it. she's like oh I think you're gonna like it and I was like oh my gosh what is this this is amazing <laughs> Sugar. and so yeah you're and welcome. uh yeah and so part of it is also like I I really do feel like uh there is a difference between un cafe y un cafecito un cafecito oh, yeah. has sugar and cream in it mm-hmm. un cafe that's however you want it but un cafecito always has and particularly as I as I think back to growing up in Mexico with family like un cafecito always involved like milk cream sugar like that's what it always involved yeah like even with my dad now my dad drinks it black um he's always drank it black but he doesn't call it un cafecito he calls it un cafe like there's there's this i don't know if it's just me and my family but there there is this distinction yeah there's distinctions Um, i love the distinctions everywhere like especially in the like central and south america like how they distinguish crema con cafe Yep. Cafe con crema, like it's different, mm-hmm. like the portions and everything. Yeah, wherever you go, it's pretty yeah, awesome. Man. Like Costa Rica, they put sugar like none other in their coffee. Oh yeah, and so it's black, but they and they drink it all day with so much sugar. It's man. insane. Love you, Delicious. Costa Ricans. Yes, yes, your dad would like You're do all that. Right. I love You're it. I was right. like, oh, yes. Can I live here, please? Yeah. <laughs> new idea. Yeah, yeah, new, yeah. Because I always felt like un cafecito was around a small dinner table. Right, and yes. the, everything was in the yeah. middle. The cream, the sugar, mm-hmm. the milk is in the middle. You know what I mean? You have some conchas, maybe. Yes, uh, so. <laughs> and it's like midnight. <laughs> and it's like midnight. Yes. Exactly. Yes. It's like midnight, and you're like talking about all the deep stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Man, well, uh, we can keep talking about coffee all day. That's another episode. Man, we're just <laughs> writing all these down. Um, <laughs> if you were with us last week, we uh, began. Um, Working and walking through uh, this article written by Tony uh, Rinky uh, called 12 Tips for the Parenting, uh, or 12 Tips for Parenting in the Digital Age. And this was an article that he wrote uh, in 
2018 from Desiring God, and we'll we'll make sure that we include the link in the show notes. Um, but the idea behind our conversation last week and walking into this week is the continuation of these tips for parents, specifically parents of um, those in the Generation Z, right, uh, which are those who were born between, I believe it was 1995 and 2012. Yeah. And they compose of about, they're composed of about um, 24% of, of the United States population, right? That it's a, it's, a, it's a very large, about 74 million Gen Z individuals. Uh, it is a very diverse group uh, of, of, of kids and young adults. And so, um, man, we were just walking through several of these parenting tips and then kind of expanding on them, giving our own thoughts in that. And so I'd like for us just to pick back up where we left off from from last week. And and if you were um, if you're just tuning in or just listening to us, oh, I mean, we would encourage you to go back to last week's episode uh, and listen to the first uh, six tips and the marks of an individual who is of, of Generation Z, because all of that uh, kind of connects to um one another and so well let's pick up where we left off so we're, we're on point or tip number seven mm-hmm. and uh and so here's tip number seven for parents uh in a digital age and that is write a smartphone contract rinky writes when you move to the smartphone write a contract of expected behaviors curfews and family expectations have your child share their login info and get familiar with the steps necessary to temporarily pause or deactivate the phone. Um, I like it, and I'm probably not going to do a contract. But that's I don't know. What do you guys What do you guys think about the contract idea? I think of it kind of not so much as a contract, but I think of like the different ages of your kids, like a milestone wise. Like your three year old's not going to know like a contract. You know, it's <laughs> and so like sign this. What that, what that looks like for the younger ones, you know, like you already have like kind of like behavior charts, like what they're seeing, like in their daycare and there's, you know, classes, like mm-hmm. the rules of the class and like, okay, at home, we are already starting to like do chores and like mom's going to help you, you know, wash your clothes, but you're going to put them away, you know, diff- mm-hmm. you know, visuals on yep. your little mirror what have you yeah like your bedtime routine like what that looks like um as you start like teaching your kids how to make the bed and things like that if you're folding in a phone or a device it's like okay the your device is going to be after dinner um and before you go to bed and it's only for like 15 minutes so as they're learning the numbers they already know the concepts of time you make it a bit more complex yeah Yeah. and but as their language, you know, develops and stuff like that. Your conversations, they're already going to know. So say like visual aids are not going to be as necessary. And so if it's a teenager and you're just coming into like, oh man, I really got to implement some boundaries and we got to put something just on paper so that we both see and kind of holding each other accountable. I think something like that might be helpful. Yeah. What do you think, dude? Uh, The thing that stuck out to me was um, clarity. Uh, as mm-hmm. as you are a parent, you're making clear mm-hmm. what you expect, what's acceptable, what is not. And you're transparent about that. There's not any secrets here. So as I'm sharing the smartphone with you, as I'm establishing these expectations, you are also going to be transparent with me and I'm going to have your login. I'm going to have the time set. And we're going to work on this together because still, I think even in the age where you would hand a smartphone to a kid, you still are 
discipling them and coming alongside of them and saying what is permissible and why it is or isn't, and even time-wise, how you steward your time with mm-hmm. uh, something that is, uh, like we talked about earlier, that is a reward. It's not a necessity. And yeah. so I think as you're being clear, uh, setting boundaries with your kids, like you would do when you're um, when they're growing up, you would do the mm-hmm. same exact thing with a smartphone so that it's not confusing for them, that they know what they expect, and then the consequence of that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's good. And I, I would agree. I think um, providing your children with clarity is huge because it's not going to provide any kind of ambiguity regarding expectations. Um, it's not going to... Uh, it, 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 in fact, what it does is by providing clear expectations, one of the things he mentions is, you know, get familiar with steps necessary to deactivate the phone or consequences. Like providing consequences if things don't go well is not a surprise. Right. Right. Like, uh, but on top of that, like even good consequences, if things are going well, that means, well, freedoms increase. And with freedoms, and I think this is something that parents, I think, don't regularly talk about. And that is, um, what comes with freedom. Right. And so my, uh, <clears throat> it was funny, my, my third eldest brother, my brother, David, I think I was turning 19 and David, I remember being in the car with him and he said, Hey, the older you get, the more freedoms you have. And then my eldest brother who, who raised me, uh, pretty much raised me, Meme said, that's true. And so do responsibilities. Like you don't get freedoms without responsibilities being right. attached mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And so I think that in in this case of a smartphone contract, clear expectations of of increased freedoms and consequences teach kids the reality of um, or increased liberties and and consequences teach kids um, or help parents teach kids. Hey, freedom is a beautiful thing. And it comes with responsibility, and you must steward that well mm-hmm. if we are to move forward and and, and further it. I like uh, the fact that he mentions, you know, that have your child share their login info. I mean, Seth does that with us, and um, <laughs> when all of us were like single, we do this thing where you just scream accountability check, and you would grab one another's phones. I remember Eric would just grab yeah. my phone and take a look, see what I was looking at, see what I was logged into. And I do that with Seth. I'll walk into his room and say, accountability check. And I just grab his <laughs> his laptop and I'm just looking through it, you know? And uh, you know, if he's stewarding those freedoms well, then he's, right. he, you know, he'll sit back and be like, sweet, I get a break. If you see him tense up, I'm like, oh, am I going to? Am I gonna find something? Well, is hey, it, is oh, it, you know. You, who are you talking? To? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think um, I think a lot of that is good. I don't think I want to write a contract. I'd rather just sit with my son and say, right. "Here are my expectations," yeah. or "Here are the." Yeah. If you want to write this down, you're free to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna write it down. If you're gonna forget, that's your problem. Right? Yes. Yeah. This is the responsibility of this freedom, right? Like yeah. I, I would say that. Like part of your responsibility is writing this down. And I think sometimes <laughs> parents are like, oh, well, you know, we want them to be free to, no, no, you don't. You want to set parameters because they're too young to realize the consequences of things they do. So yeah. like, it isn't because you're trying to put your thumb on them and, and restrict them. It is in fact, 
to grow them responsibly so that when they get those freedoms and you're not around, they know what to do with them because you've established these things for them. Yeah, I agree 100%. Exactly. Number eight, watch. I thought this one was interesting. Watch how each child responds to the digital age. Rinky uh, says each child responds differently. Some teenagers will want social media so that they can follow 5,000 people. Other kids will want social media so that they can follow five close friends. Those are radically different uses. Parent each child uniquely based on what you see in them. What do you guys what do you guys think of this one? I I frankly I was slightly indifferent and fascinated at the same time. That could be because I only have one. Right. Right. You have three. Yeah, so they have four. Yeah, yeah. and so I'll I'll even speak to that. So, (laughs) actually, uh, I'm the leading expert at this table. So, so listen up. So, for instance, uh, Haley, Haley, when Vanessa and I have talked about how she uses a little crack in the voice there, right? (laughs) How she uses uh, like social media, not social media, but like the internet. Haley is looking at educational things. She wants to know how numbers work. She's watching things that help her advance her advanced, her uh, accelerated reading program. She is not there to just watch random things. Um, Mateo, he's a little bit more, he wants to watch music, he likes videos. Yeah. And then I have a five-year-old who has no interest in it whatsoever. But there's the other one who, he's only five, and I think he has like a gamer mentality. He's a he once he gets on the game, He's he hooked. does not want to get off. And uh-huh. it could be even something he doesn't know how to play. He doesn't care. So yeah, it there's a discernment involved in saying, How is my child wired? Like what does what are his propensities or her propensities? Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit more freedom involved with kids that you know they're not going to abuse it or not mm-hmm. uh they don't have a propensity to like want to do that constantly. Mm-hmm. So I every child there's a lot of truth and every child is different. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's really wise. And, uh, I mean, I think about Seth even before, again, he doesn't have a cell phone, doesn't have a smartphone, doesn't have a cell phone. He has a MacBook, and he had, uh, an, an Xbox. (laughs) Let me, (laughs) let me make that clear. He had an Xbox. And one day when he listens to these podcasts, he's gonna be like, man, I remember that day when I had (laughs) an Xbox. (laughs) And then I didn't. And, and then I didn't. You know, you, you see those those posts, funny enough, on social media where it's, yes. it's this individual who says, man, I can't wait to go to bed early. And then it pauses and it says, like, Melissa didn't go to bed early. In fact, she <laughs> ate snacks all night. And so that's how I feel Seth was with one of his friends. I can't wait to, to play Call of Duty with you online. In fact, Seth did not play Call of Duty with him online. His Xbox is now in the trash. And so... <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, it's, but... Going back to this, before before Seth had an Xbox or access to one, and even before he had his MacBook, one of the things that, that we quickly learned about him was that um, he can, uh, and I say this in a very, very uh, in a good way, but it's also it's something that I think parents need to be um, aware of, just as Rebecca and I had to grow awareness, he can have an addicting personality. Like mm-hmm. he, he loves creativity. And so when he gets into something, he is drawn to that 100%. Now that's really great, mm-hmm. particularly in his skill in the saxophone. I mean, the fact that he's a sophomore, he made it to state because he zeroes in on some of these things. His creativity and artistry when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, it, it, it is phenomenal. Um, bring the Xbox into that, right? The, 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 it becomes an escape. Mm-hmm. Right, an escape from reality and an avoidance of responsibility, um, and 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 you get to be you. You talked on this last week where it's this this uh, 
he has an online community of individuals who aren't really like they're not persons in the sense that they're not with him. They're not next to him. He's not hanging out with them. You know what I mean? And so, um, I think that's something that parents need to be aware of on this side. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, we were able to see that when it came, like Rebecca saw that early on with him with Legos. And then we saw it with, uh, books and then Dungeons and Dragons and the artistry that comes with that, his saxophone academics, but, and so you see all of these benefits, right? That there, there can be redemption in all of this, right? That's wonderful. Right. And there's this awareness that like, Hey man, when you get on the Xbox, it was way too much time. And you, mm -hmm. this is now an avoidance of responsibility. This is an escape from reality that you are now engaging in online. I'm making quotations like this online community. There's no such thing. Right. 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 And so that's, that, yeah. Parents need to be really aware of, of their kids' personality and, and now in, in, in with a smartphone in their hand. like uh, He talks about this later in the article, but it's not going to necessarily change their kids' per personality, but it's going to amplify some mm -hmm. of these things that are already there. All right. So, yeah, yeah we, can, we can talk more about that in a second. Uh, number nine, recenter parenting uh, on the affections. Man, I know we're going to talk a long, a long time about this one. So uh, Rinky, Rinky says parenting has always been Excuse me. Uh, parenting has always been a war for our kids' affection, but the digital age exposes our parental laziness more quickly. If our teens cannot find their highest satisfaction in Christ, they are going to look for it in something else, and that message has always been relevant. So, yeah, what do you what do you guys think? The digital age has not made parents lazy, but it has exposed parents, parents' laziness. Yeah, I think the when we were talking offline, we were, I think I asked you all the question, something like, is this like parents just compromising their responsibilities for something that's just easy, like it's a fix to to not face their reality or face responsibility themselves. Um, and is what's that? Why is that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the question? Is that you're asking a question like, why don't parents want to face that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think in part, it's some of the same reasons parents want, some parents are overworked. Like I think about, for instance, my wife was a single mom, mm -hmm. right? Starting her mm -hmm. own business, building her clientele here in McAllen. And she's overworked, overburdened, exhausted, mm -hmm. coming home late, starting her day early. Like parents are exhausted. And when it comes to giving an iPad to the kid, because, you know, I just finished working a 12, 13 hour day on my feet all day, working with and through people, building a business and mm -hmm. so on. That's way more convenient and easy. Um, in addition to that, some parents may have been brought up in a legalistic household. And so now they want to respond completely different to their life passively. Right. And now they have children. And so they are raising them passively, right? Without uh, structure or without even some expectations. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, it's almost as if uh, parenting is an inconvenience to what they want to feel, what they want to experience, what they really want to do. Uh, rather than it's just it's like parenting becomes something else that I now have to engage. Yeah, like selfishness rather than sacrifice yeah. in some areas. Yeah, and I think like you were talking offline about there's nothing inherently wrong with having an iPad or having a smartphone. Yep. 
when enjoyed responsibly. Mm-hmm. But it's a heart issue whether are you sacrificing relationship uh, and substituting a tablet because all parents know this is this is tough. It takes like being very intentional and sacrificing a lot of things that you probably normally wouldn't to be able to pull them away. And like the article is talking about, this is a battle for their hearts and their souls. And it's important to be intentional. And even though there are times allotted for those things, it probably is a case where you want to just heart check yourself and say, hey, am I doing what I should be doing? Mm. Or have I sacrificed some of these things for my own comfort? And we've talked about comfort a lot before. Um, and there's not saying like, hey, you should or shouldn't be doing this. Everybody is different. Parenting is extremely difficult, but it's a call put on our lives to walk these kids to Christ. And if that's the goal, then everything else is under scrutiny of how are these things helping me get to that goal, I think. Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree. And I think when we look back at the pandemic in 2020, um, I think we look back at how a season like that exposed parenting. Like you saw some so many statistics increased from um, the the distancing of families because of the tension in the house because now they didn't necessarily know how to engage one another right. yeah. every mm-hmm. single day during a lockdown. I think in Hidalgo County, for instance, like domestic abuse increased mm-hmm. 55%. And that was at the beginning of the pandemic. I have no idea how it even um, uh, closed out at the end of 2020. Right. Um, and so uh, you saw these radical tensions uh, happen in the homes because all of the sudden um, families did not know how to be a family. Parents all of a sudden had to genuinely, wholeheartedly parent in a way that had been absent uh, to, to a degree, right? And so um, because the digital age exposed parents' laziness quickly, that 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 involves increasing tensions, increasing frustrations, uh, increasing, um, uh, distancing that was, that, that may happen under one, one roof all of a sudden. Like I mean, we, I'd meet with several individuals and parents who, who it was just like, man, I, I don't know how to engage my children. I don't know how to, uh, have, um, uh, you know, like family worship with my young kids because what should have been a priority became something uh, that was dismissed. And over a long period of time, it became something that was unimportant and insignificant. Enter 2020, mm-hmm. we're all home. Now parents are like, how do I how do I do this? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that was, that was an incredible challenge for parents, I think. But I, th- yeah. but I think, for instance, the fruit that we saw, particularly toward the end of 2020, was when we started pressing and teaching and preaching and having intentional opportunities for family discipleship on Sunday, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're starting to see this changing culture in the mm-hmm. home. And that was, man, by God's grace, one of the biggest fruits I think that we saw in our church in, in 2020. Like once we started putting more eggs in the basket of family discipleship, there's all of a sudden this this turn of, of culture in homes. Yeah. And and I think um, the encouragement for all the stuff that we're going through, all these, the tips and trades and the things to watch out for and the uh, things we're cautioned against and pointing out about um, how to raise these kids is that if you have not been doing any of these things, if things have in fact gotten away from you and you're in this rut, 
today's the day to stop all that. You can take the devices, you can set the Wi-Fi, you can put their devices in your room overnight because it's not too late to make that change in in culture. Like much like we did it at uh, with family discipleship at the church. Mm-hmm. Today you can go do all that. It's going to be a, a shock, and it's going to be a lot of growing pains, but it, it's very, very doable. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. It's the it's the grit, the grind, right? and uh, with grace, right? It's yes. the G three. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, number number ten, and this kind of touches on what we what we just looked at. But number ten is take up digital discipleship. Rinky says it is not enough to isolate a handful of proverbs and scatter them like general seeds of wise counsel. Discipling teens in the digital age requires all of Scripture planted and cultivated in all of the heart. Uh, Additionally, he adds, our parental passivity has been exposed in the digital age. The digital age is scary, it's exhausting, but it opens up phenomenal new opportunities to disciple teens. Um, Yeah, what do you guys think? Something else I saw in there, it says, once is, once we as parents are humble to self-criticize our own smartphone abuse, then we can turn and help mm-hmm. our kids too. Oh, sure. So I think... That, <laughs> sure. uh, don't, don't say that part. Don't tell me that. I, I, don't tell me that. This is about kids. <laughs> Let me have my... <laughs> you don't I'm, get it. It's for ministry. It's just for sex. <laughs> And I think that's but the it's key. True, yeah. yeah, it's it's looking at ourselves and seeing how dependent we are on smartphones and how addictive they can be for us and how we're in places that we probably shouldn't be as far as time spent. If it's the case that you get up in the morning and I'm guilty of these things too, and the first thing you do is not pray, not talk to your kids, but look at social media, then you have to know that your priorities while all those things are not bad, your priorities in the place where they shouldn't be, and I'm guilty of those things, and I'm sure lots of parents feel the same way. It just has become a matter of, of habit, but they're they're uh, there to break as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think you consider you consider um, disruptive witness, uh, which is a book by Tom Noble, where he mm-hmm. goes on to talk about that the reason we are regularly checking our phones after mundane. Um, uh, chores at home tend to be because uh, one, we've been conditioned to regularly check our phones because the simple fact is we're actually afraid to be alone with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so you transfer that into waking up first thing in the morning and checking your phone. You you, you think about like, I don't want to have to think about maybe how I'm feeling. I don't want to have to meditate on God's word. I don't want to have to engage some of these, what could be serious thoughts or even sin um, instead, just what do I need to do for the rest of the day? What's coming up today? You know, what's on Instagram? What's the latest Twitter post? Um, stuff like that. And so it is, it is this condition that we've allowed ourselves to have where the truth is we just don't like to be alone with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that transfers into parenting our children, mm-hmm. right? Like all of a sudden what should be significant, a priority, and important isn't. Yep. Uh, number 11, <clears throat> As a family, redeem dinners, car rides, and vacations. Uh, Renke writes, I am regularly amazed how the pressures of life get voiced at the dinner table. Unhurried time together, decompressing from the day, is very fruitful. Uh, I can't stress this one enough. I think this is a great one. Um, We try to sit down for dinner three times a week, um, actually four 
Uh, we try to sit down for dinner four times a week, and it's talking about our day, talking about frustrations. Um, but the rule is no divide. And real again, Seth doesn't have one, so it's just Rebecca <laughs> and I. It's like Rebecca and I can't have like ministry can wait. I don't care. Yeah. My phone is in the bedroom. Her phone is in her purse after she's gotten home from work. Because the same thing, like even for her, it's tempting. Clients might still be texting her and, hey, can we change this mm-hmm. tomorrow? Can we do that tomorrow? Or she needs to work on something within the business. Or I might remember, oh, man, I should have text Jay because we said we were going to get together for this, that, and the other. I need to confirm. Mm-hmm. Like, that's on me, man. I should have taken care of that early on in the day. Or yes. I could take care of it later. Blah, blah, blah. When it comes to family dinners, we try to maximize that time to do something together, in this case, having a meal, but enjoying the conversation mm-hmm. with, with one another. Right. Um, same thing with family vacations. Like, I really enjoy them because we get to talk a lot and we just get to be with one another. And then one last thing that, that Seth and I do is once a year, uh, we go to wherever he wants in Texas. <laughs> in Hidalgo um, County. Yeah, in Hidalgo <laughs> County. No, wherever he wants in Texas and we'll spend a couple of days there, but it's just him and I. Yeah. And so that has always been a really fruitful time for he and I. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I went on about that. But yeah, what do you guys think? Redeeming these normal, normative rhythms that that actually should already be in place. Yeah, I think seeing uh, my older sister, my older brother actually put that into practice. Them, I don't know, seeing a, a different like kind of confidence in them as, as they parent their children. It's like, oh, I, I get that it's, heavily relational and I need to know my child I need to know who who they are yeah they have bits of me yeah they have bits of my spouse but they're like they're their own person too Mm -hmm. and how am I to raise them well and so many important questions come up in in their minds but then how they interact with their children is is such a beautiful thing when they especially go on like a father-son weekend Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so my my brother Dave and my nephew Gideon. Gideon loves the San Antonio Spurs. And so on his birthday now, the last, I think, two years, three years, they'll go to San Antonio that weekend and it's falls in basketball season. So yep. it's like they'll go see the Spurs if they can, yep. right? COVID, right? But um, they'll watch it online or stay in a hotel and go hiking. And mm-hmm. finding that Gideon loves nature and loves being outside too. And he's just a creative mind like my brother. And so they get to riff off of music and art and things like that and sports. And so it's become something that, okay, now we're going to keep this and kind of like a tradition Mm -hmm. type of deal. And so it's such a beautiful thing because you enjoy each other. And um, I think that's, I think what parents can miss out on if they're not intentional in knowing their children. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? No, no, I completely agree. It It is, uh, I think the big word we land on is intentionality. It might look different for every family. Your schedules might be a little bit different, but setting aside time and building that, like Elsie was saying, that relational capital so mm-hmm. that you actually not only get to know them, but are known by them. And time passes by so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, my kids were one and now they're, five and almost nine and you know anybody that has kids or nieces and nephews can just watch them grow up in a blink and you start to lose those opportunities and then they're in the world prepared as you prepared them for the rest of life it's uh yeah 
it's important, really, really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you said something really good, Elsie. Like they get to enjoy one another, but also parents get to know their kids mm-hmm. at the dinner table, right? You get mm-hmm. to see how they think. You get to see yeah, how they respond day to, day. Mm-hmm. to things happening around them. You get to see what makes them tick. You get to see their convictions mature and unfold before you at at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah I think that's good. Um, here is the last one. The last one is uh, keep building the church. Uh, iGen is now the loneliest generation uh, in America, lonelier than the 72-plus demographic. Rinky adds that the smartphone has become a painkiller, promising to solve our loneliness problem, but only cloaking the pain for another moment. The greatest need of our teens today is not new restrictions and new dumb phones and contracts and limits. Their greatest need is a community of faith where they can thrive in Christ, serve, and be served, right? They need to find a place as a legitimate, they need to, they need to find a necessary place as a legitimate part of a healthy church, mm-hmm. right? And so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, just with general family discipleship. This is, this is the part where, where in part, the, the parent's responsibility is to disciple their kids, point them to the person and work and beauty of Jesus Christ, meet their children where they are, right? Extend grace, saturate them by just pointing them to uh, the the word of God. And then this is also where the church comes in, right? Where Because I, I think one of the things I'm personally very thankful to our church for is how they, uh, how many in our church just let Seth be Seth. And, and so everybody knows his quirky personality, everybody knows his character, everybody um, uh, knows who he is and how he is, and so he is um, genuinely loved, mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't feel a pressure that is associated with his connectivity to, to the digital age because he has had to engage real-life people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's had to communicate and articulate conviction and conflict right and 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 so being a part of a church where he's been allowed to to flourish in that has only has only had fruit in his life I, that i can see so yeah what do you, what do y'all think oh, i think so too because the he i guess you all like had that folded in that community folded in mm-hmm. since he was oh correct me if i'm wrong eight no yeah. ten yeah, twelve yeah, yeah. yeah early on before even junior high and so that's where he says now um there's a handful of people that like helped raise me mm-hmm. like along with you and mm-hmm. ob- obviously his parents and so that is such a cool thing to have a teenager say like you're helping raise me and i appreciate that like that's a it should be like a goal like we have you know <laughs> like that's that's the fruit of discipleship right yep. there and godly discipleship. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's, that's incredible. And I, and I think again, as, as parents, it doesn't mean that we're going to know all of the answers, but we at the very minimum need to know the story of God, not just stories mm-hmm. about God. Mm-hmm. We need to know the story of God and we need to meet our children where they are listening to them yeah. and then walking them where Jesus wants them to be Lord willing to, to a place where man, they are, they are rescued by his grace but just uh but just that faithful ongoing discipleship of of being intentional with our children navigating 
using discernment, navigating the contours of social media and digital, this digital age. Right. Uh, because as we've talked about, not all of it's bad, but it is dangerous and it can be dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. It can be harmful. And so if these statistics show us anything, it's that um, digital media, I suppose, right, has amplified something that was already there, right? It just mm-hmm. speeds it up or, or it just exposes it both in our children and as, as parents. And so the the priority here is um, the priority here is it's what it's 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 what we hear God say through Moses, right? Like you will proclaim these words to your children when mm-hmm. you're sitting down at the table, when you're walking with them on the way. Like yeah. you are gonna walk them through um, what God's word has to say about them, who they are, their character, and and where Jesus wants them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this uh, this two part on. Um, Family discipleship in in a digital age. This is a wonderful article by Tom uh, Tony Ranke, and you can look it up through Desiring God. In addition to that, he wrote a book called uh, Twelve Ways That Our Phone Changes Us." Uh, it's a really good book, short book, but uh, very very helpful as parents and individuals navigate the contours of of this digital age. And so we hope that you guys enjoyed this time. And uh, man, we're probably going to continue talking more about family discipleship in some other episodes. But until then, we will see y'all next week. Bye. The goal of this podcast is to equip our church for discipleship and mission. We want to thank you for listening in this morning, and we hope that you are encouraged by these conversations. If you'd like to learn more about Storehouse McKellen, you can visit our website at storehousemckellen.com. We'd also love to hear from you. Send us your questions to info at storehousemckellen.com.